Praxis family, what is up? Hopefully you're well. Hey, we're just so thankful you're joining us. Here we are, another Community Sunday. Um, as you know, the first Sunday of every month now, instead of gathering at Goodwill, which we're not doing today, we are in communities across the city, turning our chairs in towards each other, our lives in towards each other. Many communities eat together and come around this content. And so we're so thankful that you're joining us in your community. And maybe some of you are just joining us online. This is on live stream as well. We want to make sure that there's an option for those of you that want to join us online to join in. So thanks for wherever you're watching from, in your communities, at your homes, wherever you are. Welcome. I'm just excited. I know I blab on about just the community life and what this has done for us, this new rhythm, but it's been beautiful. So thank you for participating and we're just going to continue on. We just love what God's doing in and among us. Uh, with that said, I'm also pretty excited about this spring teaching theme and series on hospitality. Uh, some of you guys know that Easter isn't just one day. It's actually six weeks in the church calendar. It's called Eastertide. And we thought there's no better practice than the practice of hospitality, eating, drinking, um, community, all that that embodies uh, as a practice for now, for a response to the resurrection, that the resurrection actually does something in us and leads us to this type of celebration. And so we're focusing on hospitality and in our communities today, we're going to do the same. The really cool thing is over the next little while, we're also going to hear from some unique voices as they bring their perspective on hospitality and uh, reaching out. Uh, I really believe that this idea of evangelism or reaching out to those who maybe are not followers of Jesus is deeply connected to a hospitable life. I don't think you can disconnect those things. I don't think the New Testament dis disconnects those things. I think we have in the Western world disconnected those things at times. But what we want to do over the next few weeks is look at hospitality, but in light of living lives that are reaching out to our brothers and sisters around us, our friends around us. So with that said, uh, today we have Danielle Strickland, who's going to come and just lean into this idea that we're called as people who follow Jesus. And I, if any time is better, could be better, it's, there's no time better than post-Easter to live into the reality that God wants us to kind of join in with him in this renewing work. And hospitality can be a deep part of that. So she's going to come. Then at the end of this, um, there's going to be some questions that come up. And we just want to empower you, whether you're at home watching online or you're in your communities today, just to hit pause on that, pause it on the screen, and take some time to reflect, to join in together, to wrestle through this, to read the text that's going to be available there. Join in with us as we kind of wrestle through hospitality, all that God's doing in our community, and this idea of us joining in on his mission with him today. I would say my first kind of living encounter with Jesus was in a jail cell in downtown Toronto, actually at the old city hall. I was being detained. I was juvenile delinquent, car thief, drug dealer slash addict, and uh, arrested on a whole bunch of different charges and really held for a while. It was going to be, it was a bad season. And uh, I was in, in a jail cell and had this encounter with Jesus uh, where he said, I, I love you. And it, it kind of it turned on a light inside my life. I, I, 
I saw things clearly for the first time. I, I remember waking up going, oh, wow, I'm in jail. Like, what am I doing with my life? And I, I realized that God was for me, not against me. And that itself kind of changed the trajectory of my life. And when I was finished a drug treatment center to get out of jail, I, uh, I went on a mission trip to Africa. And I had to get special permission from my probation officer. So I'm just coming right out of like juvenile delinquent land into this interdenominational mission experience. And the, the, the mission uh, place that I, I chose to serve with was really strict. And really strict sort of rule-based approaches weren't really the best fit for me. I was like not into them. So we had kind of like, we were like not jiving the whole summer. I kept getting what they called SBs, which are special blessings, which meant if ever you broke a rule or disobeyed or talked back, you would get this special blessing, which was an opportunity to work during your free time. So I was what they call especially blessed all summer long. And finally, one day approached where I, I was done working off my special blessings and we were given this assignment to tell somebody about Jesus using these little gospel tracks. And I was like, oh man, like I'm so not into this, but I knew that this was my first possibility all summer long of having some free time if I could just do what I was told. So I decided I would suck it up and I would just do what I was told. So I found this... Uh, this girl, Fatima, and I said to her, look, I'm really sorry to waste your time, like, but if I don't do this, I'm going to be in trouble. So would you just give me five minutes so I could walk through this little gospel track with you? And she said, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I, I walk it through like really basic, what I would describe as the world's worst gospel presentation. I just say, you know, God loves you, not you screwed up, like, oh, it's okay, Jesus. And then like, you know, do you want to follow him? And I remember her looking at me and just saying, yeah. I really would. And I said, oh, I, I don't think you understood it. So I started again and I did it again. But this time I didn't just read the headings. I read like the little paragraphs and some of the scriptures. And I got to the end and I said, you know, do you want to follow Jesus? And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, I, I really would. And I said, I, I don't think you understood it. And I did it again, you know, and I, and this time I did, I read all of it, even the little tiny print, even like the little asterisks. I even acted out one of the diagrams in the tract. And then at the end, very graciously, I finally let Fatima give her heart and life to Jesus. And the, the next day when I was reading my Bible, because I had to, I, I couldn't read it. I was actually crying and I was like, what's going on with me? And I realized that I had believed that God could save anyone because he saved me. I got that. But what would change my life and the trajectory of where my life would go is when I realized that God could use me to help save someone. That's when everything changed in terms of what I did with my life. I wish I could take you with me 25 years ago to this like drug addicted, <laughs> rebellious, like terrible, unkind, not very good human being when God invited me into this life of making others a part of how I lived. Because uh, then you'd see clearly that if he can use me, he can literally use anybody. But I, I do think that one of the things that Jesus says is that it, this is really more about him than it is about you. So I think even when we use our inabilities as an excuse from serving other people, it again, it places us at the center of that conversation. This has now become about me instead of about other people. So is there a way at moving our perspective to the needs of other people? Is there a way at even changing our posture instead of this being about, about you? How can I serve? How can I love? How can I reach? How can I connect? 
those are conversations that are worth having even in your own mind. Uh, I found the, the practice of this to be really key, even when I'm doing anything, even in my professional life, and I find the conversation in my head rotating around me, like, what about me? Will they like me? Am I good enough? Is this this? Is that that? Whatever. Whenever my conversation starts rotating around me, I change the dialogue inside my mind and I change it to this. How can I serve here? How can I love here? How can I help people here? And as soon as I change the question even, it changes my posture and then everything becomes easier. I remember many years ago, I was... Um, uh, in a basketball league, a women's basketball league. And uh, one of the girls that I played with on my team, we decided that we would train to run a marathon together. And so we went out for training runs regularly. And on that, the second time we were out for our first training run, um, this girl turned to me and said, oh, you're a, you're a Christian, right? And I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And she said, so am I a project or a person to you? And I think that question is probably what we're all most afraid of when it comes to sharing our faith, is that we do not want people to be projects. We don't want to feel, and we don't want people to feel like we're bringing an agenda to the relationship. So I, I said to my friend, you're a person, you're not a project. And so she said to me, well, how about this? How about we run together, but you never bring up Christianity? And I said to her, so am I a person or am I a project to you? And she said, well, you're a person. And I said, well, then why couldn't I bring up my faith? It's a part of who I am. And we had this fantastic, really kind of clarification of what it means to be ourselves with each other. So again, I think it rotates around this idea of thinking that Christianity is something that I just add to my life instead of faith and Jesus being the center of my life. This is just a part of who I am. This is not like a thing, I'm a, a agenda that I'm bringing to this conversation. It's a part of who I am that I'm bringing to this conversation. And so we became fantastic friends actually, and she actually became a follower of Jesus by the end of our marathon, but not because it was a project of mine, not because it was an agenda I had, just because I was able to share authentically my life and my relationships and the meaning of rotating my life around the person of Christ. Look, I mean, Jesus helped the disciples out with this one because the disciples were freaking out because they were like, we've just been given a command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we don't know how we're going to do this because we're freaking out. Like we're afraid they're locking themselves in rooms. They're like convinced people are out to kill them, which they actually are. And so they're not doing a very good job. And Jesus says to them, this is how this is going to happen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses, which is to be my representatives, to be my martyrs even, to be my demonstrations in the world of what I'm like. And this is a promise Jesus gives those disciples, but also every disciple since. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this isn't on you. You might be just like those original disciples going like, ah, like I'm introverted, like I've got my door locked, like I'm scared, like people are out to get me, they're going to crucify me if they know that I'm a Christian. And the reality is that even might even be sometimes true, but Jesus says the same thing to you that he said to those disciples that day. And it's this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses.
So there's a power greater than you that will help you with the words at the time that you need them, with the inclination, with the ability to see the opportunities in front of you. It'll even surprise you on those occasions. But you can ask if you need power. You can ask if you need courage. You can ask if you need strength. You can ask if you need wisdom. And you can ask the Holy Spirit who will give to you in full measure whatever you need. When we get here, everything was a mess for us. I start like a suffering a lot of depression, and I told a lot of like uh, taking my life. I leave my family for a couple months. I start like a uh, drinking a lot of pills. I remember it was like a twenty-two pills per day. Suffering more than 10 panic attacks per day. Everybody in my family was like uh, falling apart. Like my daughter, my son, my wife. The family was like a mess. My parents coming here, it actually felt quite difficult because it almost like the roles shifted. They didn't know the language, they were immigrants. I was in a very unhealthy place myself, and then I had to kind of step up and be almost like their mom. Through that, also seeing my dad go from being my hero to being a broken person. And he would say things like, I hate you guys. I don't want to be with you. A friend of mine, he invited me to the church at that point, I didn't go to a church, any church. I didn't believe in God. I just was like a lost. And I went to the church on Sunday and I hear about Alpha. And this friend uh, invited me to Alpha the next, the following Monday. And we came to Alpha together. It was a fantastic experience. And when I came to Alpha, everything changed in my life. I clearly remember the day that my dad came home and said, I I've been doing this thing called Alpha, and I thought, like, that's crazy. Like, my dad is doing something at a church. I couldn't deny the fact that my dad had changed so radically. I remember when he asked me to come to Alpha, he said, you'll meet people that will be healthy and good for you. And when he said that, I kind of thought, yeah, that's what I need. I just, I need good friends. I need healthy friends. The first night, I just remember being like, they're all overly friendly, but they're so good. Like, if this is true, like, I'm never leaving this place. During the last talk, I just remember saying like, okay, God, I have all this stuff that I'm doing. I just want you to take it all away. I don't want it anymore. I just want to follow you. I just want to do everything I can to please you and to bring people to know you. And I just felt this, this strength that I never had before to quit drinking. And then shortly after, the day after, I stopped smoking. And the weekend after, I got baptized. 
I knew that feeling and I, and I was so happy because she got it. She, she got the, the idea, she was extremely happy. It's the happiness that you're never gonna see before. I am super thankful that you invited me to offer that. Thank you. <laughs> it changed my life. Like, like, like it changed everything for me. Thank you. <laughs> was it me? <laughs> Thank you.